When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So I'm here with Chalk Dinosaurs. Actually, his name is John. So John, how you doing today, man? You doing all right? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Lance? I am doing okay, man. So as is tradition on the show, we like to start with some icebreakers. So to get started, my first question for you is, dude, you're a super skilled multi-instrumentalist. You were playing classic violin as a kid, piano, saxophone. What's one instrument that you'd love to give more attention to? Drums. Drums, yeah? I think. Yeah, drums. Well, ah, that's a hard question. Voice. Voice would be good. Um, oh. Drums are, are the, like, the most fun. Like I wish I was very uh, good at the drums. That looks like the most fun. I, but the the voice is a an interesting answer. I like that. What about do you just have you done voice lessons before? Yeah, I took some in college, but yeah, it's just whenever I see a singer, a, a band with a singer that's really good, it it really sets them apart, and it really adds just a whole another layer of depth to the show. That's a man. I like that. That's a cool answer. So, second question: I know you are a Weezer fan. In your opinion, what's the most underrated Weezer album? I mean, I don't know if Pinkerton's underrated still, but I, mm. I know it was when it came out. But I mean, Pinkerton is probably that's probably my favorite. Mm-hmm. But not, to be honest, I haven't I haven't kept up. Okay, that's They've that was my next like question. Ten albums since, yeah. you know, I, I think I, the last one I heard was the Red album, which was oh wow, yeah, a long time ago. <laughs> uh, that that was going to be my next question if you'd kept up because they're incredibly prolific these days. I mean, it's kind of absurd how prolific they are. Yeah. So, okay. Well, third question. What's your favorite thing about Pittsburgh as a Pittsburgh local? I really like the the density and the water. The the three rivers, there's a lot of bridges, a lot of really good views, and it's just very accessible and and cheap to live there. Mm. But yeah, I mean, it's kind of just where all my my roots are right now. All the people I know that are important, most of them, especially with the career and stuff, it's just like it's all been built around here. So, I mean, it's the only place I've, I've really can remember living. So, mm. but yeah, I think my favorite part is the small town feel, but it's got, you know, big city amenities. So that's, were you born and raised there? I was born in New York, but moved to Pittsburgh when I was like one. Gotcha. Cool. Okay. So last one, and then we'll get into the conversation. You've done a lot of collaboration in your albums with Chalk Dinosaur, I would say. I mean, you have an entire collaboration album. What's a dream collaboration for you? Who's somebody that you would love to work with, like a big top tier name? I mean, for songwriting, I think like Jim James from My Morning Jacket, he's 
He's maybe my favorite songwriter and instrumentalist. I'd love to do something with Eli Winderman, Winderman from from Dopapod. Yeah, those are those are the first two that come to mind. Those are really cool. I dig that. Well, that's I mean that's that was something I wanted to talk to you about was because I mean it does seem like I mean you are like Chalk Dinosaur is a moniker for you and kind of what you do by and large. How do you kind of approach collaboration? Like, I know you have that one collaboration album. It kind of seems like your albums are just kind of different. I mean, you have kind of a band, a set band, but it seems like you're very collaborative in how you do approach music, even though this is a moniker. Yeah, it started out as a just a project for me to write songs, release songs. And then, I mean, I do a lot of collaboration with the members of the band that's performing now which there's four of us it's me and my brother and then our friends john henderson and michael berger so you know there's let's see spectrum sprout stuck in between those albums are all collaborations between me and three three other people and then the one album that you might be referencing chalk dinosaur and friends maybe Mm -hmm. That one was just, I was performing solo at the time and I played at a music festival called Farm Jamalama in, in Pennsylvania. And I, I saw a whole bunch of really good musicians that were from Pittsburgh and I didn't know them. So I kind of just like the standouts from each band, I just kind of tried to get in touch with them uh, on Facebook and asked if they w- wanted to come over and, you know, do a, do a session and try to, you know, write something. So that's what that, that album is. What is the benefit? What's the pro and con to you of having a moniker and kind of having that flexibility in it versus having like a set band where it's like these are the four guys like the Rolling Stones or something like that? What's what's the benefit to you? Oh, just the flexibility, just being able to really release and write any kind of music that I want and, you know, do work with the band when we're able to and and write when we, you know, at whatever pace we can with the group of guys that, that I've been playing with for the last couple of years. And then the rest, you know, rest of the time I can make, you know, whatever kind of music and just, I just decided to keep it all under the same name. Ween kind of inspired me to not worry so much about keeping things in one, you know, as one genre or one identity because they, they really jump around a lot. And, and I like that. Do you ever wish Chalk Dinosaur was the more traditional band route of like, these are the set guys, these are who's the members, or do you really, does that flexibility really lend itself more to your creativity? I think right now the flexibility is, is good. I mean, the ideally, you know, having a group that is all, you know, equal collaborators and I don't know, when you think about some of the groups, yeah, like Rolling Stones or Beatles or Queen or My Morning Jacket, that does look really nice, just having that such a strong group identity. But it's also really, really difficult to not only find the people, but everybody's lives have to be aligned. And, you know, the older you get, the harder it is to keep your lives aligned. So it's a it's really difficult to to get that. But so the situation now is good where I kind of have both. We work as a group, but, you know, we do have limitations in how much we can get together and, and write and stuff. So whenever we're unable to, then I'll, I'll write on my own. Mm-hmm. Do you 
do you ever miss like not just the band dynamics but like the shared responsibility because i mean as a one-man team you do a lot of i mean do a lot of the heavy lifting so whenever chalk dinosaur flourishes that's on you but whenever chalk dinosaur has a setback that's on you do you ever feel that yeah there's definitely a lot that goes into it and we've just recently started getting the help of a manager and a booking agent so that's helped to kind of delegate some tasks to some other people which has really helped a lot and you know i get help from from my brother and and the other guys with i mean there's just a lot of random tasks and stuff that need to be done but i don't know i guess if it scaled more there'd probably just be more delegation one of the reasons i one of the reasons i asked this is because i was i was going back through your instagram looking at some of the posts and you made a post about performing at summer camp and you mentioned that you had felt like giving up several times and it's i was just oh, curious yeah. like i'm i mean it's just curious like what is that like why did you feel that uh it's just so difficult to it's just a really difficult path to to really find like the the right situation the right just like to find success i guess it's been a very long long road and you know it can be pretty stressful and just trying to keep it all organized um and especially with a group it gets very difficult to keep things together yeah i think it's just it's just a pretty it comes in waves you know like you get it's easy to get discouraged when you know i mean i've been performing since first show first chalk dinosaur shows in 2008 so it's been going for you know a long time and i don't plan on stopping but just the the pursuit of of getting to like a point where it's i, th- I think the hard part is there's a very difficult jump that has to happen between having a career and then doing music when you whenever you can and doing music as your career there's some kind of leap that a lot of bands have to make and that's a really difficult thing to figure out like how do you go from how do you get to a place where it's actually like a viable career where you can you know invest all of your time and effort into it and then not only that sorry 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 um, i was gonna say not only that but you know everybody that you're performing with like also has to be able to do that so it's that's something that I always ask other bands when I uh, meet them or talk to them, like how do they bridge the gap between, you know, to the, to get to the point where doing their artistry is actually like a viable option. Do you ever feel like this is like the goalposts are moving for you? Cause I mean, like if you go back to 2008, when you started doing this and you see what you've done today, do you ever feel like, yeah, in 2008, I would have been like, yeah, this is awesome. This is what I wanted. But now do you like your next step of making this a viable career? Do you feel like, hey, the goalposts are significantly different than they were three years ago? I think the goalposts are are pretty steady. We're we're getting closer to them mm-hmm. now. And definitely a lot of things have happened within the past, you know, five years that were things that I was kind of just daydreaming about, maybe you know, twenty twelve or twenty fourteen, things that you know, I was dreaming about uh, starting to get to do some of those things, like play at some of these uh, festivals that really had a big influence on me and my, you know, musical development, getting to collaborate with some of my musical, you know, idols and even get to sit in and stuff like 
just getting like involved with this jam kind of festival scene. I mean, that feels really good. And I feel like now that we have the booking agent manager, I'm starting to feel like, you know, it's a possible, you know, it's not that far away to get to that point where this is like something I can put all of my eggs into. Do you attribute it all to having kind of like a manager and a booking agent as kind of the turning point for you? Or is there, what do you think really was kind of that moment five years ago? Well, it's just been a very slow build. Like we've like starting in 2016, started to like very slowly get into small festivals and, and then got into some bigger ones. And I've just been like meeting, meeting the other bands and people involved in the scene and have kind of just been like chipping away. Um, and then last year, that's whenever we teamed up with our manager, Rob, and, and then he found our booking agent, Sam, and the two of them, you know, that's added so much firepower to just like our booking capabilities and our, our network and stuff. So that's kind of really accelerated things. But, you know, we had to kind of chip away for a long time to get to a place where they would be interested in working with us. Is there any attribution to like playing the algorithm now? Because I mean, that's how I discovered you was in a jam band playlist. And that you know, I was like, hey, that's cool. Like, what is this? So that's how I found you. Has that been an intentional part on yours to like play the algorithm, try to play the Spotify game? Yeah. Was it the modern jam yeah. playlist? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That one's that was one that when you release an album, you can pitch pitch a song mm -hmm. to the that one's like a curated playlist by somebody at Spotify. So you're able to pitch a new release to them. And I, I, I've done that before, but this is the first time that, you know, they've ever put anything on there. So yeah, definitely intentional. But the year, the year before that, I, w I did an experiment releasing a single every month for like a whole year. And that's the Punch Funk Love, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because okay. I wanted to see if... You know, I'd always heard like, oh, that's the way to, you know, that's the best way. I don't really like how it looks when there's just a million singles, like I like <laughs> cleaner discography. Yeah. So I'm going to take all those down whenever the full length is released this August. But that really ended up working. It took about six months, though, of consistent single releases every month. And then like you could you could see Spotify was starting to like boost it and send it out to more people and our monthly listeners went from about, I think at, when I released the first single, it was like two, 2,500, something around there. And then by the end, it, it had gone up to, I don't know, like 12,000 or something. So it was like the biggest jump in monthly listeners you know, of any year, for sure. But I did want to talk about that project. I, I read a little bit about it and found it fascinating. Are you done releasing songs for that? Is that completed? It was, it was, but I just recorded one yesterday and I'm like, oh, it's not too late to like throw that on there. So I might, I might put this, it, it's like, I, it's in a video I, I put on Instagram yesterday, but I think I'm probably going to put that on there as well. So it'll be one song, one more song, I think. Okay. So, I mean, was that project purely an experiment in the algorithm and Spotify and just the modern music landscape then? Somewhat, yeah, that was part of it. But another part of it was I, I went through, I don't know, 2021, 
I don't know, for the past couple of years, there have been a couple of phases where I would try to just release like these little one minute Instagram videos of me like putting together a short piece of music. And through doing that, I got all these ideas that I liked that were started. And then for this album, I was, I just wanted to like finish those ideas, those, cause you know, they were all like a minute long, but got a lot of, you know, ideas I really liked from that. And so I wanted to finish those. And then I thought, you know, releasing them month by month, it was kind of like a good motivation for me to finish a track, which is, that's always one of the hardest parts, I feel like, for a lot of composers and producers is, you know, you have an idea and just finishing it and is the, is the hard part, I think. Punch Funk Love is part of a series of albums where I notice you have like a similar aesthetic in the artwork and a similar brand. I'm assuming the same artist has done all of those. I mean, is that like a like a conscious rebranding of Chalk Dinosaur in that sense of having like a consistent aesthetic across albums? Or I mean, this is coming from somebody who's a marketer, but like, yeah. it, I mean, is that was that intentional or is that just like we found a great artist and let's run with him? Yeah, he's one of our favorite artists. He doesn't live in Pittsburgh anymore, but he made four designs. My fiance actually commissioned him to make some artwork for us for a birthday present and he ended up giving us like four designs. So there's still one left. So we're kind of just, you know, I'm just using those. And then when those are used up, we'll probably, I don't know what we'll do after that. Probably would branch out though. And, and I don't know. We haven't thought, we haven't thought about it yet, but still have one more album cover in the tank. Mm-hmm. But, no, you know, I thought- we really like his, his style. It's very distinct. Yeah, it is. and it's really cool. I, I love the colors and like kind of just the artwork itself is really, that was one of the things that attracted me about listening to you more was just the artwork itself. But I want to go back cool. to what you were saying earlier about kind of getting more involved in the jam scene. Is that, I mean, what about the jam scene attracts you that you want to go further down that route versus like a pitchfork music fest scene or something like that? I was taking a break from live performing. I started out in like, it was a, it was like the indie scene doing a lot of those types of shows and I don't know the crowd's kind of stiff and a little bit there's kind of like some a little bit of snobbiness and it, it was a lot it was just colder I didn't feel as welcome I didn't feel like people were having as good of a time as compared to whenever I started going to some festivals like Bonnaroo and then All Good and the workout and just being around those types of festivals and those types of bands, I just noticed that the the crowd was so much warmer and was having so much more fun and was a lot more supportive and passionate about the bands. Not to mention the bands themselves looked like they were having like a really good time. I don't know. The whole thing, the whole thing just attracted me with the energy of it. And so ever since I started going to those music festivals and getting exposed to, you know, like the the crowds associated with, you know, Fish or String Cheese Incident or Papadozio or The Works, you know, I just wanted to get involved with that. So that's kind of what led me to that. And it's still, you know, it just, I, I just meet the nicest people and musicians. Everybody is so much, so much support and encouragement. It's I don't know. It's it's like my favorite type of music scene to be around. Mm-hmm. Do you think 
as you become more integrated into that scene and performed at those different festivals, do you think that's had an influence on the music that you create? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Like there's a lot of music, like the punch funk love stuff. There's uh that's a little more, that's more like electronic, like electronic productions, but with the stuff that we create as a band, the four piece, that's totally, you know, we're, we're taking influence from everything that we see at those those things like any anytime there's like a cool moment or a cool kind of effect or cool groove or something like everybody's you know internalizing that and you know we we spit that out in our own way i guess let's i listened to a few of the shows you had up on your website and that's i i just wondered do you i mean so much of your music is instrumental and those shows were largely instrumental do you do you try to branch out and jam on some of those songs or is it just kind of like kind of like what's your approach to playing those live which which show do you have an idea i know one of them was that you were opening what's it rjd2 it was like a 2020 show maybe oh, okay yeah it was like a 45 minute set i think yeah okay yeah yeah i think a lot of our a lot of our sets they're very they're planned out and thought out pretty meticulously. There's okay. definitely some like windows of guitar solo window type of thing where, you know, it's like improvising within that window of time. But there's there's definitely usually a lot of thought put into like every minute of a set. Although recently, there's certain occasions like when we have a longer slot, when it's a little bit looser of a time thing. We've, you know, recently started throwing in, trying, trying more things like, you know, jamming into songs and stuff, but it's always with a destination in mind. Like, you know, we're going to jam in this key and eventually we're going to start this song whenever it, you know, the jam dies down, I guess. Well, I mean, so is it based on like time slot then that you kind of are limited in what you're jamming? I mean, is it like, okay, we have 45 minutes, we're not going to jam much versus if you had a three-hour headline spot you would be more open to it yeah yeah if it's a short if it's a short festival set like a high high impact set you know we want to make sure it's like our best performance and then if it's yeah if it's a longer set it's definitely we can have a kind of a slower pace of the show and branch out more it's also really easy to lose track of time like whenever we jam i mean that's kind of how we we started was just jamming all the time anytime we get together it's just jam and there wasn't really an agenda and then the ideas would kind of come out of that and then we'd refine them and then eventually we'd they would be like a very defined thing but you know it it goes by really fast you know you would think like a 10 minute song is a long song when you're thinking of like a song you'd listen to on the radio or spotify or something but jamming 10 minutes goes by and it feels like two minutes or something. So it's got to have, you got to have a, it's a little harder to time out the sets when it's like a tight window. Mm -hmm. Well, that's, I mean, I've asked several other like jam bands about like the, the concept of jamming and just things like that. So, I mean, I'm curious with Chalk Dinosaurs, is it like, what, what is it, what is the approach to the jams then? Is it just kind of like, I mean, you mentioned like crafting a voyage earlier, like kind of going down that route. So how do you approach, like those moments of freedom in your set. 
to be honest, we don't really do that that much where we go completely just off type two jam, which is just like, <laughs> yep. you know, no plan. There's, it's very selective places where we would do that. Yeah. To be honest, like we don't jam, like we don't do like full improv a lot mm-hmm. in our sets. Um, and the jam band is kind of just the, that's the scene where we fit the most. It's like, I think I came to realize, and so did, so did some of the other members in the band that when I'm watching a band, you know, I can tell when parts are very like composed and just like really well executed written parts. Mm -hmm. And when the show has like a very, just like high level of definition. And we, we definitely like that. And I feel like as we, as we continue to develop as a group, I think the ways we're going to put more improv and jam into the set will be transitions. So we'll play like a, you know, very succinct song and, and then jam, have like an improv jam that will lead into the next song. So I think that's how we're going to probably approach it. And then there's certain songs where like, you know, like synchronicity or interlinked that are pretty flexible. So, you know, if we're feeling, if I'm feeling like my solo section, I could continue to just, you know, we could keep going on that. But I think, I think the strategy moving forward is probably going to be in between the songs that are composed. We're going to, that's where we'll put the jams. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, I'm curious about like crafting a set list for you guys. Like the idea of like, I, I mean, in a lot of your songs, like, especially like on Punch Funk Love, when I was listening to that, I was like, man, this would be a lot of fun as like a, like a live show, like just even the flow of that album. And so that's, I was just curious, like, how do you approach crafting a set then? Cause I mean, is it like you want to give them 45 minutes of nonstop dance and wear them out before the headliner? Like kind of, how do you approach that? Pretty much. Yeah. And like Punch Funk Love. So I guess it's, we actually perform in two different forms. So Punch Funk Love, that kind of music, I play that as a two piece with my brother who plays drums and I have like my keyboards and my guitar. And a lot of it is on like a sequencer, like a lot of it, just like there's tracks with like synth stuff. So it's kind of more, it's like a, a mix of jam and electronic, but it, it's definitely more on like the electronic side, DJ side than the full band, which is, you know, we're playing more of the traditional kind of rock format. So I guess like the way we arrange the sets is probably based on what arrangement, what band arrangement, whether it's going to be the four of us or the two of us. So the, those two sets are completely different. The two-piece band, we play all like the, yeah, like Punch Funk Love and stuff off the albums, Sunset and Star Blazer. And then the four-piece band, we, the songs we choose from for, for that are off the albums, you know, Stuck in Between, Spectrum and Sprout. And we try to, I don't know, we've kind of, gone with a a ramping tempo kind of arc to the set in a lot of cases where it pretty much just keeps getting faster until the end gradually and we kind of pick the songs that will you know fit that ramp what what freedom or challenges i guess do you find playing in a duo versus a four-piece then i mean is it the duo shows or i mean because i'm thinking like i talk about this all the time on the show it's like I love trios. Like the idea of a trio fascinates me just endlessly. And so even with a duo, I mean, with a duo, that's even more challenging because you're filling more space between just two people. Whereas with the four piece, you have more 
flexibility and the fact that there's more people to cover more ground. So what challenges are there in being a duo versus the four piece for you then? Duo, definitely, there's a lot less ability to improvise and jam. So the duo set is very calculated and which is also one of the things I like about it. It's very controlled and I think it's very controlled. It's very easy to change the set and it's, it's a lot easier to, well, travel a lot easier to travel, a lot easier to coordinate and prepare with just one person. But the full band is really nice for, yeah, like we can jam, you know, if we had to fill a really long time slot, we could definitely do that a lot easier because we could, we could throw in a bunch of the jams. And, and it's also just a totally different dynamic when you have four people, four people's input, you know, going into the, going into the music. But yeah, like if something goes wrong in my setup, during the duo set, it's, you know, a big, much bigger problem than if that happens with the, the four piece. Cause then, you know, they can kind of just play while I, you know, fix whatever's going on. Hearing you talk about the duo, it sounds like, I, I mean, it almost sounds like you enjoy the challenge of the duo more. It sounds like just the difficulty of it is what you enjoy more. Not necessarily in comparison against the four piece, but like the challenge of the duo is what like takes you about being in a duo. It's really hard to say. It's just that's the one that is where the most we have the most availability to like to play and travel with that. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's the biggest uh, difference between them is is how much preparation we're able to put in since it's it's a lot harder with the four to to get everyone together. But I mean, the two piece is nice. I can, it's kind of a lot more centered around like my production, I guess, which is, I feel like that's kind of my main thing is just music production and putting sound and textures together and stuff. But really just like whatever, whatever we can play and like push, that's, I mean, if it was, if we could do the band all the time, we would do the band all the time but we can't do the band all the time so and we actually started out doing the two piece before the band so it's kind of there's these parallel things that are it, it's it's always kind of a challenge to kind of balance those two like you mentioned earlier and I want to kind of go on it for just a second you mentioned quitting performing live what was that decision i mean that that didn't seem like something to be taken lightly oh yeah that was my chalk dinosaur you know 2008 to 2010 we were you know playing a lot in the indie scene and it it just got to a point where it seemed like we had kind of lost interest to some degree it just wasn't feeling right like it wasn't we weren't excited about it so i just figured i'd stop and just focus on recording and, and writing and stuff until you know I got the urge to to play again and then that I started playing again in like 2015. Well, it's, I mean I I asked that because of what you just said about it. I I pick up on like the value that you love of being a producer and doing production values and like studio stuff. So that's I was just curious what I mean to you what is the more fulfilling? I mean there's got to be different angles to it, but like what is the more fulfilling thing being a producer or performing live? Yeah, they're they're both very fulfilling, but the the producer writer part, just like composing and 
just putting sound together at at my workstation is like my favorite thing releasing music that's that's like where my heart is you know totally and then the live stuff's also very fulfilling but it's you know it's a lot more there's a lot more variables that are out of your control so i mean i think that's what i like about studio and production stuff it's like you have control over everything and you know there there's nothing that can hold you back from writing a song except Mm. for you know it's in your hands and with the performing it's like doesn't always go well and like you know there's so many challenges with just logistics and just so many more variables so it's it's definitely i feel like it's a lot harder the performing Mm. Do you think the highs are higher with performing though? Because I mean, it's got to, you walk off the stage, the crowd's going wild. I mean, that's got to feel really good though, right? Yeah, that's definitely a unique experience, especially whenever you have like a a nice, you know, full room or you've just played for, you know, there's something about, yeah, having a couple hundred people all in the same room, you know, listen to you play, you can't really have that kind of experience or impact, you know sitting behind the desk. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, and two, the flip side of that is I think about like production, you know, you, you crack the song, you finally get that thing. You can't figure out, you get that chord or whatever it may be. Like, which do you think is like the higher high? It's like for you is cracking, cracking the code on a song in the studio or having walking off the stage to a sold out show. I think right now, if I, finish a song and a recording that is I feel like I really just nailed all of the things you know it really came out exactly you know the way I wanted at this point that's like that's the best for me but we have not experienced as a band performing you know we've only experienced you know mm-hmm. this level and there's like yeah. many more levels of success in like a live setting so I could see that flipping you know, if we get to a point where we can play some like really impactful shows, I, I have a feeling that could flip. No, that's cool, man. Well, like as we kind of start to wrap up, what's, what's next for Chalk Dinosaur? You have, did you, you mentioned you got some artwork in the can. Do you have an album in the can already or what's going on? The next album is just going to be that Punch Funk Love, just releasing that as an LP. And then next week we're playing a festival called the John's or Flood City Music Festival. And that'll be with the, the four piece band. So we're we're pretty excited about that. And then there'll be a Secret Dreams in Ohio is a really sweet festival, an amazing lineup. And I'll be playing that with my brother Nick August August seventeenth or let me just Yeah, August seventeenth. And then the next day we're playing another festival in PA called Garefest. So those are oh and then, yeah, we'll be playing in Denver the week after that, Denver and Indiana. Um, so those are next for the live show. And um, I think as uh, me and my brother are going to, you know, we're putting together some music to release, hopefully this like winter, that's going to be reflective of, you know, what we do as a two piece. And then at the same time, whenever we can get together with the band, we've started to have like improv sessions that I record and then see if we can kind of harvest some ideas out of that and get get the next you know full band album in the works that's pretty much it i think yeah just that's it 
No, that's cool, man. That's killer. Well, I appreciate you chatting today, man. Yeah, thank you for uh, thanks for having me on. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.